you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. Today's podcast is about summer in a way and also a few other things thrown in thrown in um and that has to do with essentially vitamin d as in david it's my brother but vitamin d which is called the sunshine vitamin i'm sure everybody knows that and also has to do with preventing sunburn and keeping biting bugs away, and a few other things. Some of it as well doesn't necessarily have to be just about summer, but it is about vitamin D and, and, and. Well, you know how it goes. Okay, on to the information. So, as I said, vitamin D is called the sunshine vitamin. And funny, I never realized why it was called that, but it's because the sun's ultraviolet rays reach the skin. And when that happens, it triggers the production of vitamin D. But now we all have a lot of worry about skin cancer, which is coming from those same UV rays. And can we use sunscreen to avoid those harmful sun rays? And if we do that, are we going to interfere with our skin being able to take in the vitamin D, which we need? So the answer to that is yes. It seems that an international panel of experts found that sunscreens in general are unlikely to cause vitamin D deficiency in healthy individuals. And that's a quote from a dermatologist at UCLA's medical center. And she continued saying the amount of UVB needed to generate vitamin D is considered very low and even optimal use of sunblocks still allow vitamin D synthesis. And this is even in fair-skinned individuals. So that's a good thing. Now, there are ultraviolet B as in boy and ultraviolet a rays, and it turns out that both of those can actually damage your skin, which is why we are all recommended to use a, quote, broad spectrum, unquote, sunscreen to keep those rays from actually getting through to our skin. It seems that, according to another, a derma, another dermatologist at UCLA, that you don't need sun to make vitamin D if you're already receiving it from your diet or supplements, which is good because I take a supplement. If you're out in the sun, she recommends wearing clothing that covers your arms and legs and a hat 
with a wide brim to shade your face, head, ears, and neck. And she advises, quote, look for clothing with a UP, that's P as in Paul, F, ultraviolet protection factor tag. And a UPF 50 shirt provides excellent coverage, letting less than 2.5% of the UV rays to pass through the material. Okay, now next, they were talking in this article about how to avoid dry skin in summer because if people are spending a lot of time in swimming pools or salt water and or air conditioning, you can dry your skin out, which I knew about the swimming pools and the salt water. I didn't realize that about the air conditioning. They also suggest in this article that if possible, use a mild soap for your hair and skin and moisturizers trap water in your skin so it's best to apply them within five minutes after you shower. That also is new news to me. And in general, cool or warm water is best, which I knew as well. Hot water will further dry the skin. And that's because, which I already knew as well, that what it does is it tends to bring out the oils that are already in your skin, which makes your skin drier. Air conditioners. They, quote, condition, unquote, the air by removing heat and dampness, which if you think about it, are both things that we need to keep our skin moisturized. And the colder the air conditioning temperature, the more it can dry out your skin. So they are suggesting in this article that you use a slightly higher temperature on your air conditioner during the day and drop it down a bit more for when you're sleeping, which makes sense. Now on to bugs. And this is something that we are all used to definitely during the summer. Although mosquitoes tend to find me all year round. And they were saying in this article that last year the mosquito season was really bad. And they are suggesting this year that bug spray is one way to prevent bites from occurring. And a spray with eucalyptus oil is a good alternative to those DEET, you know, the D-E-E-T um, sprays that <clears throat> they have been using, which aren't good for you. And if you do get bit, then something like hydrocortisone cream works well because it decreases the inflammation and the itch. The Environmental Protection Agency recommends the use of products evaluated for effectiveness. And the EPA website, which is http colon slash slash tiny dot use tiny dot cc slash bug repellent has a handy drop down menu where you can select how long you're going to be outside and in which evaluated products. Oh, and, and which, not in which, and which, I <laughs> can't read my own writing, and which evaluated products may work best to repel mosquitoes, ticks, or both. And it turns out some of those actually still have sunscreen in them as well, so you only have to use one product instead of having to do two. But you can also use some kinds of 
clothing that can protect you from insects and the sun. And I guess hikers in certain kinds of terrain should wear long sleeves with pants tucked into their boots, both of which also will help guard against scrapes and encounters with bugs, poison ivy, and other skin irritating plants, which makes sense. It could get a little warm, but it certainly is better than the alternative. Heat rash, which is also called prickly heat and miliaria, which I've never heard of before. It's an inflammation of the skin caused by blocked sweat glands. And you can get very itchy and uncomfortable if you have that, which makes sense. But you can actually treat it at home and typically it will go away in a few days. So it turns out there are four different types of heat rash. The most common is called prickly heat rash, which I mentioned earlier, with red bumps. And I think we've all probably had that at some point. Clear heat rash is the mildest form, and it looks like small little clear beads of sweat on top of your skin. And I think I have had that too. Yellow or white rash can also be a sign of infection. And deep heat rash typically appears as large firm bumps and is caused by chronically inflamed sweat glands. Now, most people get heat rash around creases in the skin, places like your armpits, maybe on your neck, your groin, and wherever your skin rubs against adjacent skin. Tight clothing makes the problem worse because it inhibits evaporation. And the same thing is true for heavy creams and lotions, and they can block your sweat glands, which is not a good thing when you want to sweat when you're hot. Treatment recommendations for that include just cooling down with a shower or cold compresses, seeking shading and air-conditioned spaces, should be shaded, and avoiding products that block pores. Yeah, I think we all could have guessed that one. The use of mild antibacterial soaps and anti-itch medications that have calamine or menthol or camphor can really help to relieve that annoying itch. So one other thing I wanted to talk about is about vitamin D and your immune system. We all know and have heard a lot about how vitamin D helps protect your bones. And that's very true. But, and it's a big but, vitamin D also plays a part in your immune system. And there's been a lot of research that shows that vitamin D can help regulate innate and adaptive immune system responses. And so, not that it's that important, but those, it turns out that there are two kinds of immune systems in the body. One's called innate and the other's called adaptive immune. So the innate immune system is actually the body's first defense against pathogens, better known as germs. It responds in the same way to all germs and foreign substances. And that's why it's sometimes called the, quote, nonspecific, unquote, immune system, because it really doesn't care. It just goes after them all. The adaptive immune system kicks in if the innate system isn't able to destroy those germs. And that, the adaptive system targets specific, a specific type of germ once it has been able to identify it 
And therefore, the system is a lot slower to respond, but it's much more targeted in its approach. So the interesting thing is that that, that one, the adaptive system, has an ability to remember germs and can respond faster when the same one is encountered in the future. It's so amazing what our bodies do. So the immune system triggers inflammation to destroy the germs, but excessive inflammation can cause problems and it can weaken your, your body. And some older people and those with multiple health conditions have had extreme inflammatory responses, for instance, to COVID-19, leading to hospitalization and the need for ventilators. And because vitamin D may decrease that inflammatory response, it could be that it could help reduce the severity of COVID-19 illness in people whose vitamin D levels are low. So they have just started doing some studies that have that were from the pre-COVID era that showed how supplementing people who have low vitamin D levels decreases their risk of respiratory tract infection. And so that's why there is more research that's starting to be done into the use of vitamin D as prevention and treatment for COVID-19 because one of the places that it attacks is your respiratory system. So vitamin D is a pretty good thing to have in your system, as I think we all can see from all of these items. And it's very important that you get adequate levels of vitamin D. People who don't have a balanced diet that includes food that contains or is fortified with vitamin D are at greater risk of deficiency, which makes sense. Dairy products, some cereals, orange juice, plant-based milks, and some other um, products, which you can see sometimes if you read the labels, um, they are commonly fortified with the vitamin D. And according to another person at the UCLA Medical Center, older adults in general are at increased risk for vitamin D insufficiency, which means low vitamin D levels, in part because aging skin is less able to metabolize vitamin D. Some older people also may spend less time outdoors in the sunshine compared to younger adults. So to wrap that up, it would seem that a good path to take would be to go to your doctor and get tested to see what your vitamin D levels are now so that you then know how much to supplement with. So that's it for me today. I am not a doctor. And remember that this is not medical advice. So please go to see your doctor if you do want some other medical advice. And otherwise, I will see you all next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.